Hello, this is Mr. Reynolds. I'm calling in with a question for Mr. Bullen's science class. Could someone explain the ins and outs of Newton's second law? Thank you. Can you explain Newton's first law? Welcome back to Season 1, Episode 6 of Just Add Science. Today in the studio, I have Avery and Nevin, and they're here today to talk to us a little bit about Newton's laws. And funny enough, we actually have a few callers that have questions about Newton's laws. So we're going to start off with our first caller, see what their question is, and then find out if Avery and Nevin have the answers. Can you explain Newton's first law? So now that we've got to hear our first call-in question from Miss Morales, and I know that you're here to talk to us today about all three of Newton's laws, what can you tell us about Newton's first law? Um, Newton's first law, it will stay, uh, an object will stay at rest unless acted on by a force. Okay. And, and an object in motion will stay in motion unless acted on by a force. And I think that that really is, that's kind of, in a lot of ways, it's super easy, right? I know that the car is going to still be in the same spot that I left it in, and if it's not, then I know that somebody moved it. And I know that um, typically, if I start to throw a ball, the ball keeps moving. But the weird part about that is until something stops it. So objects would love to keep on moving until something stops it. That part to me is a little more difficult to understand. I can't imagine something never stopping. Because where we are, everything stops at some point, right? I don't know of anything that's still moving that, I mean, it just doesn't work that way. Other than the earth, I mean, it continues to move. But most things on earth, eventually, once you start moving them, they eventually come to a stop. So that makes Newton's first law a little bit difficult. Do you have any examples of that that you found in your research? Um, well, it stops because of friction. And if the ball is on a grassy field, once you roll it, you apply a force to it, and that's why it moves. But it slows down because the grass causes friction. Okay. So. And we don't have enough force to make it keep moving. I don't know if I don't have anything that could move a ball fast enough for it to continue to move. So that makes sense. Um, is there anything else that you found out about Newton's first law though so, so we could talk to Miss Morales about that? It's also called the law of inertia because the definition of Newton's first law and inertia are pretty much the same thing. If you if you have memorized the definition of inertia, you know Newton's first law or Conversely, if you've memorized Newton's first law, you already know what inertia is because you're right. They are the same thing, and some people do call it the law of inertia. That's fantastic. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add to that for Miss Morales? That's it for now? All right, so I know that we have another caller, so we're going to um, go to that call really quick, and then we'll come right back. Hello, this is Mr. Reynolds. I'm calling in with a question for Mr. Bullen's science class. Could someone explain the ins and outs of Newton's second law? Thank you. All right, welcome back to part two as we have absolute royalty calling in, Mr. Reynolds on the line. Uh, the principal of the school, we better get this one right. If not, then I may not have a job, right? So hopefully you know the answer to this one for Mr. Reynolds. Uh, tell us a little bit about Newton's second law. Uh, the greater the mass, the more amount of force needed. 
So what's that mean? For, like, let's just pretend. Like, if you told Mr. Reynolds, here's the definition. The greater the mass of an object, the more force you need to move it. What if he looked at us and said, well, I still need some clarification. What does that mean? Well, mass is the amount of matter inside an object. Okay. And my example for that, you have a ping pong ball and a bowling ball. It's easy to move the ping, ball, ping pong ball, but you need to use a lot more force to move the bowling ball because the bowling ball has more mass in it than the ping pong ball. And so all of a sudden, now Newton's second law seems to make a lot of sense to me. If you have something that doesn't weigh a lot, it doesn't take a lot of force to move it, right? I mean, if I want to pick up a paper clip and stick it on some papers and then actually pick those papers up and give them to Ms. Klein, that doesn't take a lot of force. But I can't pick up one of the cars in the parking lot and carry it down the hall and like put it on her desk. There's too much mass. So the more mass something has, the more force it takes to move it. That makes sense to me. What else did you learn in your research about Newton's second law? I remember we watched a video in class where these people dropped a bowling ball and a feather at the same time in like a giant vacuum. And then in the giant vacuum, they sucked all the air out and then they fell at the same speed because all the, the particles in the air stopped the feather from going all the way. So yeah, that takes us a little bit back to friction. Um, and it does, it is, that's a really tough one to grasp. And somehow Newton understood this, right? And he didn't have a big giant vacuum, but he theorized that everything, gravity pulled on everything with the same amount of force. And so he, he theorized then that if you were to drop something very heavy and some feathers, that they should hit the ground at the same time. But the reason why they don't um, is because of friction. And so the friction is able to act on those feathers a lot because of Newton's second law. It's easier for them to act on the feathers because they don't have a lot of mass, the friction of the air. The bowling ball just kind of moves around those um, atoms and molecules in the air pretty quickly because it's got a lot of mass and it moves down quickly. But you're right in that video when they took it into that vacuumed area and took all of the air particles out and they dropped the feathers and the bowling ball, they hit the ground at the exact same time how cool would it be to be in a time machine, go grab Newton, bring him back to that day and explain to him what they were about to do and let him see that experiment? Can you imagine what his reaction would be? I, I mean, other than the time machine. I think he'd be pretty impressed. I think yeah. he would be impressed. I think he would be super excited that he, he was correct in theorizing that. Um, that, would be, that would be very neat. Was there anything else about Newton's second law before we move on? Not that I can think. Everybody, we've covered that one pretty good. All right, hopefully that answers Mr. Reynolds' question, and we will be back in just a moment. We've made it to the third segment of our podcast on Newton's laws. We had some callers call in about Newton's first law and Newton's second law. We did not have anyone call in asking any questions about Newton's third law, but guess what? We're going to tell you about Newton's third law anyway. What is Newton's third law? Uh, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Okay. Same question as last time. Maybe you tell me the definition of for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. But then I look at you and I say, I don't understand what that means. How would you describe that to someone who hasn't sat through fifth grade science? Let's just have this for an example. Two people are on skateboards and they push against each other. 
Okay. And one person moves backward three feet, while the other one also moves backward three feet. They push, and the force pushes them back the same amount. Okay. So you say for every action, there's equal and opposite reaction. Are there any other things that you can think of that might show that? That would describe to somebody what that means. So that's... A, it's a very easy definition to remember. It just kind of flows, right? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. But then you have that follow-up question of, well, what does that really mean? It gets a little difficult, right? If someone, like, is where, is on a skateboard and then the other person is just wearing tennis shoes, then they push on each other. Only one of them is going to move. The one on the skateboard would go backwards. You are correct. I think looking at that, if you really want to dig into the equal and opposite reaction... Um, if you're going to use the uh, example of somebody pushing back and forth, let's just say we went outside and you stood on a skateboard and I had on my shoes, right? Obviously, I shouldn't move because there's a lot of friction under me and you have wheels under you. You should move. If I push you very lightly, like very easily, nobody expects you to go flying across the parking lot, right? Because that would not be an equal reaction, would it? If I barely push you, the understanding is you should barely move backwards, right? Conversely, if I push you as hard as I can, I would think that you would also need to go backwards very far as well. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with that? Awesome. Hang on just one moment. All right, sorry about that interruption, but when you have students get pulled out, uh, things just happen. So we're going to finish this podcast with Avery. So Avery, I think we've covered everything pretty thoroughly today. We've covered Newton's first law, which is? An object will continue to, to remain at rest. Also, the law of inertia. The law of inertia. Then we talked about Newton's second law, which was? The greater the mass, the greater amount of force needed to push that. And then we just finished things off with Newton's third law, which is? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Exactly. So as you're moving throughout the week, I'd like for you to think about all the times that you are moving. Uh, I would I would think that every time you're probably um, encountering one, if not all, of Newton's laws. Whether you're pulling your chair out to get in your desk, moving the pencil across your paper, Newton's laws are always in effect. So just be thinking about those as you move along. Thanks for joining us here on the Just Add Science podcast, and we will see you on the next episode.